Yeah, I would hate for anyone to go through life feeling like they're not enjoying their food because there's so many ways that you can and still take really good care of yourself. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. pleasure of speaking with Melissa Julwan, and I am super pleased to be able to introduce you to her. Melissa actually changed my life, and my family is forever grateful. Between Carrie Brown, who I've mentioned before, and Melissa Julwan, these two women taught me how to actually prepare food that you could consume. Uh, So my family will be forever grateful to you, Melissa, and I want to say welcome and thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to your audience today. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm being facetious a teeny bit, but not really, because I had no idea when I started really realizing that the only way to kind of eat clean, as I define it anyway, the only way to do that was really, I actually had to learn how to prepare some food and do it in my own kitchen, Melissa. Yeah, you have to have to embrace the idea of cooking a little bit. It's true. Unless you want to eat grilled chicken and, and steamed broccoli, but that is only manageable for about three days. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so if you don't want it to come out of a box and you don't want to eat the same thing over and over again, at some point you might have to break down and learn a few skills. And and frankly, I was intimidated because I just I sucked at it, Melissa, and I don't like to do things that I'm not good at. And when I bought your book, I bought Well-Fed first. You now have Well-Fed and Well-Fed 2. But when I bought Well-Fed Paleo Recipes for People Who Love to Eat, it wasn't paleo, incidentally. And I bought it, and I start reading it, and I was like, this chick talks like me. She sounds like me. <laughs> and she just, she's using descriptions that I can follow. And I, start, I just kind of jumped in, and I started making stuff. And, of course, I'm scared of anything that has, like, more than five ingredients in it. Sure. <laughs> So you must have you must have felt faint when you read my ingredients list because they do have my recipes do have a fair number of ingredients, but it's because they're spices and that's what gives everything flavor. And that is wherein the epiphany lies because mm-hmm. you you helped me realize that well first of all when I started looking closely and I was like oh paprika okay okay I won't count that as an in- ingredient okay uh, <laughs> so I'm like there it's like four things and then a bunch of spices and that's what made it brilliant. Yeah, the spices and and enough fat to give it flavor without pushing it overboard is really what makes your, you know, basic ingredients come alive and taste like real food instead of diet food because who wants to feel like they're being deprived every meal of every day? No one. You can't be successful if you feel like you're in food jail. Correct. And I'm like so over, I'm so over even food rules right now. I'm going through a phase where, you know how you get, I don't know if you had this experience at all, because I know you've been on a your own health journey and you'll share a little bit of that with us today. But I, I went from just like, I don't even know, just not consciously eating, just doing mm-hmm. whatever, right? And then getting really conscious and then getting super dogmatic about it. And now I'm just like, you know what? I just want to eat what I want to eat and I want to feel great all the time. Right. Yeah. And I think what you, you know, the answer lies in what you just said, which is you kind of have to set up some guidelines. I call them guidelines. I set up some guidelines to figure out what really works for me. And then once you know, then you eat whatever you want within those guidelines. So it doesn't feel quite so restrictive. And there are definitely things like I will just fess up right here. Popcorn is one of my favorite things in the world. I love popcorn. I can eat it until I'm sick and then eat it some more. Um, and I've found that in addition to it kind of being a food with absolutely no breaks whatsoever for me, about 24 hours after I eat it, I get incredibly cranky, like off the charts. So I've learned that that's really not a thing I should eat. And now it feels less like a rule and more like I'm being nice to myself when I don't eat it because I will feel terrible 24 hours from now if I do it. And I think that that flip of how you look at it is a really big part of being able to, you know, find the foods that work for you instead of 
saying I'm not, I can't have that thing. It's a conscious conscious decision. I can eat popcorn if I want to. Nothing's no nobody's going to come and take it out of my hands or put me in jail. But I'm kind of you know being unkind to myself when I do that because I pay the price later. I think that's so smart. And first of all, I was going to say, maybe you're cranky just because the popcorn is over. Because <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> no. It is sad when you get down to that last kernel. I'm not going to lie. Okay. okay. So the reason I the reason I really, really relate to that is because, I, like I said, I got a little bit dogmatic. And then I was sort of making myself crazy. And then I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I can How about I figure out what works for me and what doesn't work for me? What's life giving versus like screws me up. And, and, and that's where I am right now. And I don't have it figured out, Melissa. I don't know if you do. I'm still working on it. I'm still a work in progress, but I love borrowing from the paleo framework. I use the paleo principles and the paleo recipes all the time because it just makes, it makes everything so simple. Yes. It's very peaceful and easy. And I think really the the paleo guidelines are a great place for most people to start because it is a really clean way of eating and allows your body to heal and for your hormonal systems kind of get back in balance so that you can experiment a little bit. And that's a pretty easy way to get into it. And whatever you call it, it doesn't have to be called paleo. It can be clean eating. You can make up a name, whatever. Give the diet, give the way you eat your name, you know, because it is personalized at some level. Yeah, exactly. So for the purpose of today, you guys, I'm not even going to jump into what is paleo, what is primal. Let's just put it this way. Let's talk today about how eating whole foods and real foods or starting with foods that come from nature in some way, Mm -hmm. um, how we can begin that process of conversion from maybe more of a convenience food lifestyle to a better eating lifestyle. And that's not the only thing Melissa and I are going to talk about today, but it is something I keep getting asked about. And Melissa, just to be specific, I've had people say to me, you know, a lot of our listeners, Melissa, they have intense jobs and or intense family responsibilities. Um, they're super, super busy and they're like, I actually know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't have any idea how to really, truly take the action and, and convert and like actually make this start happening in my life. And Melissa, you did that for me. Like I literally opened up well-fed and it starts with what your pantry should look like, right? <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about your, talk to me about where you started and what, what's behind this for you. Yeah, well, I used to have, um, I now work for myself, but for many years, I had a full-time job for a web development agency. And, you know, an agency life is pretty intense. You can go to work thinking you have one meeting that day, and then it turns out you actually have back-to-back meetings, and you have a deliverable tomorrow, and you're staying until 9 o'clock at night. And it's just kind of like fly by the seat of your pants kind of environment. So I can really relate to people who have full-time jobs and families and they're trying to juggle that responsibility with feeding themselves and getting in some exercise. Like, I get it. It's pretty easy to look at me now and be like, sure, she works at home, whatever. She she has her whole day free. But I know what that lifestyle is like. And that's why I recommended the system that's in well-fed, which is kind of built around making your own convenience foods. When you said convenience foods earlier, I was like, yes, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out how to make our own convenience foods so that you have grab and go food ready, but it's high quality, good ingredients. It's, you know, powerful protein and awesome fruits and vegetables and things that you like without all the added junk. Yes, yes, yes. And that is what you taught. You made this so accessible for me. And by the way, you're welcome. I bought like 15 copies <laughs> and gave them out. Everybody, everybody's like, you've already given me a copy. Just stop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the whole beginning section is like how to make this easy, where to start. But I think this, this reads like it came from your real life. It absolutely did. I mean, when I started, I was in the same boat as anybody else who's trying to figure out how to make it work. You know, I I switched from kind of a Weight Watchers-ish model, you know, kind of high carbohydrates, pretty low fat. I was still, I never, I mean, I haven't eaten fast food in a really long time, but I was still using some packaged food and a lot of, you know, fat-free tortillas and and fat-free cheese and that kind of stuff. And just really wanted to get more basic in the components of my diet. And, and I say diet with a small d, how I feed myself. I wanted to just feel a lot more natural and a lot more peaceful because one of the things that was difficult for me on Weight Watchers, because it's built around the point system, it was both helpful in that it kept me accountable, but it also 
produced this churn in my brain of like, how much have I eaten and how much more do I have to go for today? And what can I add in and take out to hit these numbers? And it just was, it made me a little crazy town. I'm not going to lie. So I wanted to just kind of just open all that up and make it feel a lot better. And I realized I was going to have to cook even more than I was already. Um, so two things that I did that made it really simple, simple, but not easy. Right. The first thing was to do my best to stop resenting the time I was going to have to spend in the kitchen. And this is a big one. I mean, if you're not used to cooking and then you suddenly start making the majority of your food yourself, you're like, holy cow, I am constantly washing vegetables, chopping vegetables, cleaning dishes. You know, I just finished cleaning up from lunch and now here I am back in the kitchen to work on dinner. Like I get it, but there are things you can do to make that go a little faster. And that was the second thing I figured out, which is how to make it go faster. And the way I did that was to pick a day of the week. For me, it was Sunday. And I would just make a ton of food at once. So separating the idea of cooking from making dinner. To me, making dinner is assembling the food you're going to sit down and eat in 20 or 30 minutes. But just cooking as a task in and of itself to make the convenience foods that I would need throughout the rest of the week to make lunch and dinner and breakfast. So what that translates into in practical terms is I would fire up my grill, I would get my crock pot going, I would have the oven on, I would have the stove on, and I would make a big pile of grilled chicken and brown a couple of pounds of ground beef or ground lamb and roast some sweet potatoes and steam a bunch of broccoli and green beans. And now suddenly you have all of these raw materials in your refrigerator and it's time to make dinner and you're like, mm, I'm kind of hungry for Italian food. So you grab your ground beef and your broccoli and you put some fresh garlic in there and a little olive oil and some hot pepper flakes, bam, Italian food ready in like 10 minutes because you spent an hour or two on the weekend making your raw materials. Yeah, I love what you do where you show us how to make like these base ingredients that you keep in the fridge and then you pull them out and then you tell us how to dress each of those up depending on what you're in the mood for. So do you want Italian? Do you want Greek? Do you want the, and, you, and it's a matter of a little bit of the way you prep it, maybe the final prep and the spices that you add to it. Exactly. And in most cases, the, the, the raw ingredients that go into them are the same, you know, Ground beef and green beans can be Asian, Italian, um, Lebanese. You know, it's really easy based on the spices and sauces and the music that you listen to <laughs> while, you're, while you're eating it. What you share, uh, how to get, you get a week's worth done. Like, mm -hmm. let's say 80%, 75% to 80% of your meals for the week done in one hour. Now, that's yeah. what, yeah, that's amazing. Once you get your system down, it goes really quickly and you're set up for success. And it's, it, it kind of makes the rest of life easier because you don't have that to think about anymore. That's been taken care of. Do you have any just quick and dirty tips? And you actually outline quite a few in the book in WellFed. And you also give um, a sample grocery list and you give a sample weekly cookup. And you're just very, very hyper specific for people like me who are like, tell me what to do. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to do anything. So do you have any quick and dirty tips for people before we move on from this topic? Yeah. So pantry overhaul is a big one because I feel, especially for families, if everyone in the family kind of isn't on board with what you're trying to do, the, you know, that can be really tricky business. So my first tip is to set aside a cabinet, a shelf, you know, someplace in your kitchen where either you've quarantined the food you don't want to eat <laughs> or you're placing the foods that you are going to eat so that when you go into the kitchen to prep a snack or a meal, you're not having to face down, you know, a package of Oreos or something because our willpower is a, a limited resource. And every time we have to make a decision, we chip away at the willpower we have that day. And it's just really unkind to ourselves to expect that at nine o'clock at night, after a full day of work, we're gonna be able to continue to say no <laughs> to an Oreo that's like, hey babe, what's up? <laughs> I know. Despite, <laughs> despite the number of times we keep trying that experiment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate in that it's just my husband and I, and you know, I am the cook in the family and he loves what I make. So he just kind of eats the way I eat, 
but I know that's not the situation for everyone. So my number one tip is to, if you can't get the stuff out of the house, at least get it out of your sight line. And then the other thing is to load up your pantry with stuff you do want to eat. You know, my pantry right now has um, sunflower seed butter and some nuts and some dried coconut flakes and these really nice um, seed-based crackers. So they're gluten-free and they're delicious. They taste like sesame sticks, which is one of my favorite snacks. Um, I got some protein powder, which is not the sexiest thing in the world, but it is very helpful sometimes. <laughs> so just kind of looking over at my shelf, that feels like a nice little self-care area. And I love that you look at it like that because I know that you focus more on what you can do instead of focusing on what what you can't do and what you just, I mean, you, you have made a living out of giving people really just robust and flavorful options for what we can stuff our faces with. Like we shouldn't be spending a moment feeling deprived. Yeah, I would hate for anyone to go through life feeling like they're not enjoying their food because there's so many ways that you can and still take really good care of yourself. Well, let's talk about this for just a moment because you've had another thing that I love about you and your work is that you're just very honest about where you are and you're honest about what got you into cleaning up your diet was a desire to look great, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I am... It is all vanity. <laughs> and, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. Like that motivates a lot of us. And you're you're a strong woman and you've got you've got a lot of um now a lot of athletic brags uh, behind your name, which is cool because I know that that's that was a later in life development for you. And so that's cool, but that's not even half the story for you now, I suspect. No, I feel like the story got a lot more interesting about halfway through. <laughs> so you are absolutely right. Um, a big reason that I wanted to you know, kind of change up how I was eating was because I had had a lot of success on Weight Watchers in the Zone, kind of losing a bunch of weight, but I still wanted to go further because along that continuum is when I also started doing CrossFit and really kind of found that I loved thinking of myself as an athlete. Um, and that, you know, that felt really good from the inside out. Like it felt so good to lift barbells and feel really strong. So I loved that. And I wanted to kind of support my training and get leaner. So I decided to try paleo. And it was really because I, you know, I wanted to see my abs. I'm not going to lie. I did. And I was pretty, I was pretty successful with how good I felt on paleo. And I did lose a little bit of weight. I never had a six pack. Um, but I was feeling really, really good. I was heading into my 40th birthday, and for the first time in my life, I had reached my goal weight, which I had been trying to get to since I was 14, and I went to Weight Watchers camp. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was a, I was an overweight, inactive kid, and my dad owned a restaurant, and my mom is a wonderful cook, and no one in my family played sports or was athletic at all. So, you know, I was really sedentary. Um, so I've pretty much spent, you know, the first from, you know, 14 to 40 trying to get the body that I wanted. And I was really excited because I got there. I felt amazing. And then I started to not feel so good. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I'm still eating the same and I'm still exercising the same. But I was really fatigued. I would do a workout and come home and like fall asleep on the couch like somebody had bashed me over the head with a cast iron skillet or something. So I went to the doctor and in examining me to try to figure out what was going on, he found a nodule on my thyroid. And I went to a specialist and the specialist was like, oh, <laughs> That's never the noise you want to hear from the specialist. She's like, oh, that thing's that pretty big. She was just like palpitating my throat. She's like, um, yeah, I can really feel that. And sometimes when you swallow, I can see it. So, I mean, I'm laughing now. It was horrifying. So I went and had an ultrasound. It was, it was scary. And I went and had the ultrasound done. And it turns out that I had a nodule on my thyroid that was large enough that it couldn't be needle biopsied. So for, for people who haven't been through the exciting Franken-neck experience, if the nodule is, too, is small enough, they can do a needle biopsy to see if it's cancerous. But mine was too large, so it had to be removed. So I went from, I feel amazing, I'm in the shape of my life, but I'm a little tired to, oh, I have to have surgery next week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty terrible. So I had my thyroid removed. I was, yeah, I was 40. So they were able to leave me with like, a third of my thyroid or something. 
And we're really hoping that it was going to still continue to produce thyroid hormones. They thought that they'd maybe left enough that I wouldn't be hypothyroid and that it would be okay. So I was not at the time working with an endocrinologist. If anyone listening to this has any inkling whatsoever that there's something going on with their thyroid, I really recommend talking to an endocrinologist or a functional medicine doctor immediately. If just to have the guidance and the handholding because I didn't have an endocrinologist and for the year and a half following my surgery, I gradually started to feel worse and worse. And it turns out I, my thyroid was not functioning. That little sliver that they left wasn't working. It was a pretty bad time. I kind of went from feeling the best I'd ever felt in my life to feeling the worst that ever felt in my life. But the thing that sustained me through all of that was eating really clean. So eating really clean has helped me kind of have a, a baseline and a clean slate to judge how I'm feeling. Well, and that really applies to people who are having any kind of life experience, doesn't Absolutely. it, Melissa? Absolutely. Well, to apply this to everybody, what you're really saying is if you weren't managing your your stress, if you weren't managing your sleep, if you weren't managing what you put in your mouth and how you were feeding yourself, everything would be all muddied, right? You wouldn't actually exactly. be able to figure out what was working for you and what wasn't. In this case, it happened to be your thyroid medication yes, and your condition in general. For everybody else, it can mean literally everything. Like when, when you were talking about the struggle you had with actually committing to time in the kitchen and actually making, you know, that time is time spent not doing something else. And I would argue that we can, and that that hour returns dividends, but mm -hmm. I have two choices. I can make the time and kind of quit my complaining and go to the store and buy my food and cook it and spend one to two hours a week doing that. Or I can feel really tired, really lethargic, <laughs> 15 to 40 pounds overweight at all times, feel uncomfortable, yeah. not feel sexy anymore, and all yes. of these things. And what you're saying is that you chose to deep dive into nourishing your body so that you basically didn't have to worry about that. Absolutely. And I will say that, you know, I've been at it now for hmm, eight, about eight years. It's just habit now. It's so comfortable and so easy. And, you know, you, everyone listening, like you will get there. And I'm, you know, the if you go back and read some of my early blogs, and I think I even talk about this in Well Fed too. When I first started, I had to go to like three different grocery stores and I was so over it like from the beginning i was over it look i used to spend all day saturday grocery shopping until i figured out you know how to stock up on stuff and which stores had the things i needed and like eventually you just figure it out and it finds a really comfortable rhythm but it can be a little rough in the beginning and i would say that's true of any change any change you're trying to make is going to feel uncomfortable and you have to kind of embrace being uncomfortable to get through to the other side where it feels really natural and peaceful. Well, and tell me, you had touched on some of the physical benefits and like the, the, some of the ways this has helped you, but I know also just because I follow your work, Melissa, that it's actually helped you like mentally. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to delve too far into the science because after a while my eyes would start to glaze over too, <laughs> but I mean, the, the, when, so just to talk about paleo for a moment, although this applies to all clean eating, but paleo in particular, because you remove the grains and dairy that can elevate blood sugar. So what we're really trying to do is manage our blood sugar. And then that helps us to manage inflammation. Right. Okay. When, the, when both of those things are kind of out of control, it really affects our hormonal systems. And I'm completely like drilling this down to really simplified terms. It's very complex systems. But really what we're talking about for our mood, our metabolism, how much energy we have, how clearly we can think, whether we're hungry or not, all of that is related to how our hormonal systems are working. And when you remove the things that cause high, you know, crazy high blood sugar spikes and troughs and you minimize the inflammation inside your body, all of your hormonal systems start to work better. And when they start to work better, you have more energy. You can think more clearly. 
I mean, you and I were talking a little bit off air before we started, and I was saying how I used to have like these swirling thoughts before bed, and I was a terrible sleeper because I'd be trying to go to sleep, and I would just have like this tape of all the things I was worried about running in my head. And when I stopped eating grains and dairy and my blood sugar really evened out, that went away. And my cravings went away. I get hungry now, and what I call it is like, oh, I'm normal hungry. It's been four or five hours since I ate, and my body needs to be refueled, as opposed to that kind of hangry feeling that people talk about all the time now where you're like, if I don't eat something in the next 10 minutes, I might actually murder someone. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> like, it's so, like, I keep saying the word peaceful, but, like, I've never in my life of dieting and trying different, like, kind of lifestyle ways of eating, I've never found anything that worked as comfortably as this does. And it takes a little while because you do, you know, you start out with the rules and it feels a little restrictive, but then you figure out how to make it work for you and suddenly the whole world opens up. And that's kind of where the cookbooks came from. I got past the rules stage, got into the playing in the kitchen stage, and that's when things kind of exploded. And so I've tried to share as much of that as I can in the books to help guide people through their own experience of that. Well, and you did a fantastic job. And one of the things I want to touch on really quickly, even though it's a little bit of a left turn, is that is the spices thing. How did you discover that? Because it makes all the difference. Is that part of your background, part of your family's culinary background? Well, my family, you know, we were always pretty adventurous eaters. My dad had a rule that we didn't have to finish everything, but we had to at least try one bite of new things. So I ate a lot of stuff when I was a kid that other people probably would have perceived as pretty weird. Although I never, ever, ever gave in to trying sweetbreads. <laughs> my dad and I had a pretty epic fight when I was about eight years old. We were at a fancy restaurant in Philadelphia and he ordered sweetbreads. And, you know, he was like, you should try these. You've never had them. And I was like, mm, no, that's no, I'm not eating those. It's like Melissa takes a stand. <laughs> tell, tell the people that don't know what sweetbreads are. Sweetbreads are a gland. I'm trying to remember which gland they are. I mean, honestly, you had me at gland because you, <laughs> you, it doesn't even matter because you're yeah. like, sweetbread sound delicious. delicious. And, then, and then you find it's out. It's sweet. It's no. bread. What could possibly be wrong with that? No, it is um, a type of awful, O-F-F-A-L, not A-W-F-U-L. To some people, they're a delicacy. And it's because they're usually served in some kind of creamy, buttery sauce. So what you're really tasting is the sauce, not the sweetbreads. Yeah. This is I not think happening. Of, this is I not happening of, in my kitchen. You are not. Tell me that well-fed no, three is not no, not about mm-mm. waffles. <laughs> no. So here's the thing about my cookbooks. I'm really into spices and I'm really into international food, partially because I love to travel and I love to read about other countries. So a lot of the recipes are kind of out of my research of having read a book about a place and some character eats something and I wanted to know what that thing tasted like. So I ended up making a version in my own kitchen. So that's kind of where all the international recipes come from. But for people who don't have a lot of experience with spices, I would say just keep an open mind because there was a time when Mexican food and Chinese food in this country were considered kind of weird. And you probably think of Mexican food and Chinese food as American food now. So if you kind of put it in that context, it's maybe not quite as intimidating. Well, and I know we're jumping back and forth between food and lifestyle (laughs) and thyroid conditions, but one of the things that you did for me is you showed me, because a lot of people that I get questions from, they say things like, oh, my kids won't eat that way, so how am I supposed to? Or I hate vegetables, so how am I supposed to all of a sudden start liking them? Or I don't know how to make them because nobody ever taught me. So I know that you can steam broccoli. What else is there? Right. And what's brilliant about your work and what I want people to go look at when I put, of course, I'm going to put well-fed and well-fed to in the show notes for this episode so that you can just go to onairwithella.com and it'll be right there. But you showed me, for example, how to make mashed cauliflower, which actually tastes like mashed potatoes. And people half the time don't know the difference or they're like, this tastes amazing. What did you do? Because I know Mm -hmm. Ella isn't dishing up some mashed potatoes. (laughs) You taught me how to make cumin, cumin, cumin. I never know. Do you say cumin? I say cumin. And actually in my house when I was growing up, we always said cumin. Oh, and then I got out in the world and people were like, what are you talking about? I'm way way off base. (laughs) 
So cumin, cumin roasted carrots, which are basically French fries. So thank you. (laughs) So you just taught me basically how to whip up and I love vegetables. So that was never my problem. But anyone who's struggling with some of those scenarios that I mentioned, they could flip to any of these pages. And this is what you dish up to your family if you think you're going to get resistance. And like, for example, cocoa toasted cauliflower. Like, yes. Hello. Yes. One of the things that was really fun is for me, it was finding vegetable-based alternatives to grain-based or starch-based side dishes. So for example- Like happy carbs, right? Like you want, yes. yes. You know, pureed cauliflower instead of mashed potatoes and cauliflower rice instead of white rice and zucchini noodles instead of pasta noodles. And the benefit there is that not only are you removing the grains, but you're also getting- extra vegetables and you can like you can eat as much zucchini pasta as you want and it's it's delicious one of the things that i think i've succeeded in with my recipes is recreating the emotional and mouthfeel of your old favorite foods and healthier forms i don't know if you guys watch master chef but on master chef they make vegetable purees to go with their beautiful meats all the time and they're not like oh darn it, I can't eat mashed potatoes. They're like, look at this beautiful cauliflower puree I made. And the same thing, and you know, I, I was, I think it was in New York, and I saw a restaurant that had zucchini noodles on the menu. And they weren't like, mm, this is healthier for you than regular pasta. They were like, look at these beautiful zucchini noodles with this innovative sauce we put on top of it. So a lot of it, again, is just flipping the way you think about it and flipping the way you talk about it. Exactly. And that's why you could not have named your books better. Well-fed is exactly right. It is the way to eat healthily and in a nourishing way without feeling like you are missing anything because you aren't. So thank you for that, Melissa. I really wanted the purpose of today. It might be a little bit annoying for people who are like, that's great, Ella. Thank you. I don't have the book. So, (laughs) but, but I wanted people to understand, first of all, go get the book. Secondly, I wanted people to understand that, uh, frankly, this is how I got into it. So, so many people are asking me questions. This is my answer. So I'm actually answering a variety of different questions today by saying, well, where the heck do I start? And can I really do this when I'm really busy and I have kids and I have jobs and I have blah, 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 blah. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. So if you want to know where to start, this is where I started. So that was, that's one option for you to try on. So Melissa, you're amazing. And thank you for your great work. Thank you so much. I'm really glad that it's helpful. And I want you to share with us one habit you want us to each try, and it can be anything, one habit you want us to try for one week, and then we'll follow that up with a resource that you love and you want to share with us. So let's hear the habit. Okay. The habit. I mean, I went back and forth on this. I'm going to say that I'm going to challenge your listeners to pick a 90 minute window to do a little cook up for their week. And so that's my challenge is to try doing the cook up for a week and keep it really basic. Make some chicken thighs either on a grill or in the oven, ground some, brown some ground beef and partially steam two vegetables. And the instructions for all of that are in well-fed, but they're also on my website. So you don't have to buy the book to be able to take on this little challenge and give it a try. All right. And go ahead and give everyone your URL for your website because it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is theclothesmakethegirl.com. So if you know the old saying, the clothes make the man, it's turning that on its head, theclothesmakethegirl.com. So resource, tell mm-hmm. me what resource you want to recommend. I also thought long and hard about this because this resource can seem a little bit hardcore. And I would say, actually, it's, it's gentle and hand-holding and just approach it with an open heart. The kind of philosophy of paleo that I follow grows out of the Whole30. And the wonderful people behind the Whole30 just released a new book called The Whole30. Um, their first book was called It Starts With Food, and it was very much the science behind why you should eat this way. And it's a, it's, it's a lot. There's great advice in there. But for people who just want to like dig in and get started and start feeling better and have really practical tips, the whole 30 is it. It covers everything from, you know, kind of how to start following the guidelines pretty strictly. And then when you're done with that, 
how to test to see what you can add back into your diet and still feel good and great tips for how to do it with a family that's maybe not on board. And I think the Whole30 book in conjunction with Well-Fed is like the power kit for what you need to really figure out, practically speaking, how can I do this without making myself crazy? All right, that's outstanding. I will link to the Hartwig's books in, um, in the show notes as well. And that'll be perfect. And the other thing I want to say is I have um, samplers of both of my cookbooks available on the website. And I'll make sure and give you those links too. So people can, there's both of the samplers from my books have some of that like hands-on advice stuff and a bunch of recipes too. So people can kind of check them out before they buy them. Oh, that'll be great. Okay, yeah. Make sure you send me those direct links. Absolutely. And I'll get them up. Okay, guys. And guys, you know that you can just, in on, on the website, you can go to onairwithella.com, but also in the podcast when you're listening to it, you can click on the show art and it will reverse around to an image uh, or the image will reverse around to text and I'll put a direct link in there. So you can do this from your phone too. So Cool. Technology is awesome. The future is amazing. We're so advanced. <laughs> We're so advanced. Yeah, I'm not exactly a first adapter, but here we go. I'm like, I'm like, you can look at a website on your telephone. <laughs> hey, I didn't know you could flip the image around, so there you go. Welcome to 2007. <laughs> okay, Melissa, this has been really, really helpful, and I can't thank you enough. You and I are going to wrap it up here, but for those of you who want some bonus content, we're going to have some content at the end just specific to thyroid and thyroid trouble, so... For everyone else that's not going to deep dive into that with us, we thank you. Melissa, you're awesome. And for those of you who want to hear the bonus content, stick around. All right, Melissa, thank you so much for sticking around for just a few minutes just to talk thyroid. And I'm not a doctor, and you're not a doctor, and neither of us are doctors. So not a doctor. Really not a doctor. (laughs) We're not your doctor. (laughs) So, Melissa, the reason I want to spend just a few minutes of your time on this is because you touched on your story, but you do you no longer have your thyroid right or you have a portion of your thyroid i have a useless sliver of a thyroid <laughs> it's i like, love you sliver thyroid it's like an accessory <laughs> it is. i've had a couple of people reach out to me recently and say i have thyroid trouble and melissa i don't know what that means because i'm not their doctor and i don't know which kind of trouble that means right. and then i've had um, a couple of people very recently who've actually had their thyroid removed and my heart just bleeds for them because it's just <laughs> a struggle like it will be a struggle now for yes. sure yes i wanted just some quick tips from you non-doctor melissa just to share with them just to get them started and point them in the right direction Absolutely. So let's talk for just a minute. If someone's having thyroid trouble, what are some things we need to be paying attention to nutritionally first? Let's start there. Yeah. Number one, you want to minimize the inflammation in your body. And that's particularly important. I'm going to get a little sciencey here. Again, not a doctor, but there are people like me who've had their thyroid removed. So you kind of become like mechanically hypothyroid because there's no thyroid to produce thyroid hormones. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Then there are people who have an autoimmune condition, for example, Hashimoto's thyroiditis or something like that. So this advice applies to both people. Some of my advice is gonna be different depending on whether you don't have a thyroid or you do have a thyroid. So applicable to everyone, and I would say good thyroid or not applicable to everyone, you want to manage your inflammation. For people who have an autoimmune condition, they might really want to look at the autoimmune protocol of paleo. It's a little bit more restrictive than the vanilla framework of paleo, but it's really, really important for people who have autoimmune conditions to take that extra step to remove some inflammatory foods and see how they react. And the kinds of foods we're talking about are nightshades, which are peppers, tomatoes, eggplant, seed spices, seeds, nuts, eggs. All of those things are potentially inflammatory. If I just named one of your favorite foods and you have an autoimmune condition, it doesn't mean that you can never eat that food again. It means what you probably want to do is do an elimination diet, take it out for a month, see how you feel, reintroduce that food, and see how your body reacts. It can be a little bit of a lengthy process. And by lengthy process, I'm saying that's probably like, 
maybe 10 to 12 week experiment. But when you're looking at how to take care of yourself for the rest of your life, three to four months is not so bad. And I say this as a person who a year and a half ago did a four month super strict elimination diet. Ouch. Only to find happily (laughs) that none of the things that None of the things I had to take out for the autoimmune protocol were a problem for me. But I still had to go through the four months to find out. You're like, darn it. No, wait, that's good. Darn it. (laughs) Oh, man. Eggs are really okay. I could do all of them. But oh, my God, four months. So, I mean, I know you hear that and you're like, oh, God, really? But, again, there's some advice on my site for how to make that manageable. And there are some wonderful autoimmune paleo cookbooks now. So there are a lot of tools out there to make it a little more manageable. So that would be my number one. And, you know, if you don't have a thyroid, you don't have to worry so much about the AIP, but I would say, you know, the vanilla form of paleo just to start, get the grains out, get the dairy out, because those things are potentially inflammatory and see how you feel. Okay. How about soy? Oh yeah. Thank you. Soy is a legume out bad. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Soy is really a problem. Soy is particularly a problem for people with thyroid conditions. Um, And if you think you have low thyroid or have an autoimmune condition, some cruciferous vegetables like cabbage and broccoli are better eaten cooked than raw. If you have no thyroid, you don't have to worry about that. Bonus, that's the only freebie we get. I can eat as much cabbage as I want. Yeah, yeah. In exchange for your thyroid, <laughs> Brussels sprouts. Right. Okay. Okay. Say goodbye to the entire thermostat of your body, but here's some cauliflower. Enjoy Roasted it. Roasted Brussels sprouts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the, the big, big nutrition baddies. Um, The other thing I would really pay attention to is timing of when you eat. It's really easy for people who have thyroid struggles to also flirt with adrenal issues. What does that mean for people who aren't really familiar? Yes. So again, not a doctor. When we put our bodies under chronic amounts of increased stress, either by dieting with a restrictive diet, capital D, or life, work, family, emotional stress, or lack of sleep, or very intense exercise, or all of those things together, which was my specialty, um, we can really basically wear out our adrenal system. And so we're not getting the, uh, the kind of energy support that we need. Again, super simplifying things. Um, And when that happens, it kind of creates a domino effect across your hormonal systems. So I referenced this a little bit earlier when I was talking, but I think what happened is I was, I was extreme dieting and I was working out really, really, really a lot. And I had a full-time job. And I think that, you know, that is kind of where my problems started because I believe when I was feeling fatigued and went to the doctor to find out what was wrong and he just accidentally found the thyroid nodule, I had adrenal fatigue. And that impacted my thyroid. The adrenal fatigue came first. The thyroid nodule came second. Yeah. Ew. Not things you want to have happen, dear friends who are listening. Um, So just to go back to the timing of meals, and then I'll talk a little bit more about kind of lifestyle stuff you want to do to support both your thyroid and your adrenals. Because they really do go together. Like if you think about, you know. When you fold your hands together, that's how your adrenal system and your thyroid systems fit together. Um, so timing of meals, uh, it's really good idea to eat something within an hour of waking up. And for some people that might be kind of weird, like maybe they don't eat breakfast until later in the day. Maybe they skip breakfast. Maybe they like to go work out before they eat. That was always my thing. I like to work out fasted. Um, just a little something to literally break your fast and get some calories in so that your hormonal systems start working. Just a little something within an hour of waking up, you know, a hard boiled egg. Um, you know, a, I usually recommend against fruit and lead more toward the protein side, but if you really can't bring yourself to eat an egg or chicken or whatever, first thing in the morning, you know, half a banana 
whatever you think you can tolerate just to get a little bit of calories in within an hour of waking up, really important. And then meals kind of evenly spaced. I would say, you know, three to four hours apart so that you're eating three or four times a day. And I found it really helpful to eat within a 12-hour eating window. So if I have my, you know, first thing that I eat at 7 o'clock in the morning, then I kind of try to stop eating around 7 o'clock at night. Okay. All of that is just to kind of get your systems on a regular schedule and to also unburden them for that other 12 hours of the day. So like from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., my digestive system doesn't have to work. I think it's that's so, so smart. Like that's my version of intermittent fasting now. Right. I just, just, I'll do a really condensed window sometimes if I'm in ex- sort of in extraordinary circumstances. But most of the time I'm like, you know what? 12 hours, let my body yes. rest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I will say that um, I know for people who are trying to lose weight, intermittent fasting is often offered as a pretty good option. If you have any kind of adrenal or thyroid stuff, or you suspect you do, intermittent fasting, except for the one I just described, is probably not going to be right for you. I'm so glad you said that, Melissa, because, and, and it's not right for a whole lot of people. But really what you're just talking about is not eating around the clock and giving your body a 12-hour break, which it was designed for. Right. Um, The other thing I would throw out there in terms of the paleo framework is that again, for people who are trying to lose weight, you hear a lot of advice about going low carb or very low carb. Again, any kind of adrenal challenges or any kind of thyroid challenges, you don't want to go really low carb. You want to stay in the moderate area. So I would say somewhere between 100, 150 grams of carbohydrates a day. Um, Because again, if you think about stressors that you put on your body, you just want to eliminate as many stressors as possible. And particularly now, I think the paleo framework, people are opening up a little bit and embracing the idea that there are all different ways to work within this framework. But again, keeping the focus on the really high quality nutrients. So sweet potatoes, organic white potatoes that have been peeled, plantains. The thing that's great about plantains is that they also have a lot of potassium, which is really good. So this is all a way to say, don't be afraid of carbohydrates because it's actually better for your body if you have any kind of adrenal or thyroid stressors to have a little bit more. Okay. All right. And now I realize that I'm taking too much of your time, but if, if you've got the two minutes, Melissa, would you, would you mind delving into the lifestyle tips? Absolutely. Number one, numero uno, potentially even more important than the food, eight to nine hours of sleep a night. Eight to nine. And I know that that's really tricky for some people. I was a terrible sleeper for the vast majority of my life. When I switched to the paleo framework and straightened out my blood sugar, my sleep got much better. And I also supplement with magnesium. I take uh, 300 milligrams in the kind of early part of the day and 300 milligrams before bed. And my sleep is excellent. That's really, really important. And then second after sleep is managing your stress, which I've talked about quite a bit. Uh, I really, really recommend meditation. There are so many benefits of meditation and particularly for any kind of adrenal or thyroid stressors, it's really important. How did you start? I still use primarily guided meditations. It can be really hard to start, particularly if you're a busy brain like I am. (laughs) It's really difficult to say, okay, I'm just going to sit down and like stare at the wall for 10 minutes and try not to think about anything. It's so hard to expect yourself to be able to do that. You still get a wonderful benefit from using a guided meditation and it's really, really helpful. My favorite right now is there's an app called Yoga Studio, and it has a bunch of great yoga workouts in it, but it also has guided meditations that are 5, 10, and 20 minutes long. You can do the, and the thing that I love about them is that you do them lying down, which is really calming and soothing. And I like that there are the different time increments because then you can decide how much time you have to devote to it. And because it's guided, you just listen to it and they tell you exactly what you need to do and you focus on your breathing and it's wonderfully soothing. And I do that first thing when I wake up in the morning and last thing before I go to bed at night. And then sometimes I stick one in in the middle of the day too. You know, if you do five minutes of breathe in for four, breathe out for four, 
Okay. You do yourself a world of good and it's five minutes. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I think one of the things we do wrong is we set our bar too high and we're like, yep. I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yes. Which is like watching a microwave countdown for 20 minutes. I mean, that's a yeah. long time. It is a long time. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so for people who are like really like, oh, I don't know if I could ever meditate. That sounds too groovy and it's too hard and I can't be quiet. Then my advice is set a three-minute timer. Inhale through your nose for the count of four. Exhale out your mouth for a count of four. Three minutes literally is all you need to do to get started. That's a great tip. And I know we're focusing on people who are really struggling right now with thyroid issues and adrenal issues, but I hope enough people hung out that they're picking up on this tip too, because this obviously applies to everybody. It's great for everybody. And you can combine that with your cooking wad too. Put a pot of water on and while you're waiting for it to boil, you do your little meditation. Ooh, you're a genius. <laughs> you're a downright genius, sister. Okay. And so the one last thing I wanted to make sure we get in, which you touched on before, as you said, uh, don't just rely on your general practitioner or your surgeon in your case, but get in front of an endocrinologist. Is that, is that fair? Yes. An endocrinologist or a functional medicine doctor, because I started with an endocrinologist and he got me to a certain point and that was about as far as he could go. It took going to a functional medicine doctor to really dig into some of the problems I was having. So if you get a, a good endocrinologist, they can take you all the way. And you just need to find, a, basically you need to find your partner. I, that's how I think about my doctor. Like we are working together to get to the bottom of what's going on with me. And I think it's really important that people feel empowered to, to continue to look for someone who will partner with them as opposed to, to saying, Here's your prescription. Now just go. Well, I think that's a perfect spot to end on. And by the way, I'm not a doctor. Are you? I am so not a doctor. <laughs> I am a cook. <laughs> I am an eater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Melissa, this has been priceless. I really want to thank you for your time. And I know people are going to get just enriched, truly, genu genuinely, and authentically enriched by your work. So thanks for letting me share you with them. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And I hope people get some help from it. All right. Can I call you malicious now? You absolutely may. Malicious. <laughs> She's delicious. Thank you, Melissa, for your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.